Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Well, welcome along, everybody, to our latest episode of the RTGA podcast. We're going to chat football with Enda McGinley very shortly. Michael Foley of the Sunday Times has stepped in to be our Rory O'Neill designated court person uh, for the podcast. And as you can see, Brendan Cummins is with us as well. So, look, Brendan, let's let's start it off with uh, Cork Limerick this weekend, a shootout for a place in the All-Ireland series. If you'd have told me at the start of the year that it was going to come down to this, I don't think anybody would have expected that this was the one where it was all on the line for Limerick. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, you step out of the league final. I'm not saying that the, the, the Limerick has been anything like what we saw at Waterford last year. In reality, Limerick have won the first game by a couple of points, lost the game by a point, drew with Tipperary. So it's not that uh, everything is complete catastrophe for them. But in the grand scheme of things, being favourites to win the All-Ireland and now in their own back garden playing. What I would say is, uh, say rejuvenate a Cork. I'm seeing a steal in the middle of Cork that's been really impressive. And it'll be disappointing for them and, and for the whole lot, obviously, if they go out um, next Sunday afternoon, which I would expect to happen, to be honest. I think when all the cards on the table, Limerick will have enough. But Cork have come along in leaps and bounds, thinking of where they... They were a long ways behind, I suppose, against Tipperary, came back. And the last day in Ennis, like when Tony Kelly got that penalty, I thought, oh, here we go now. This is going maybe 10 or 11 points. But it didn't. They didn't break. They came back, which is seriously impressive. And to think at the end of May that Cork could be gone out of the championship, or Limerick for that matter, um, is, uh, you know, it's certainly a scary prospect for them. But makes a mouthwater for us looking in at the row um, on the weekend. But yeah, it is. It's, it's very, really strange that it's gone to this, that it's real knockout. And I expect to bring the best out of Limerick, I think, the weekend and for them to jump the fence because of home advantage more than anything else. Mm. I think it'll bring the best out of Cork as well, Mick, because I think, you know, Brendan's right. There's definitely been a rejuvenation there. This is the ultimate acid test for them to see if they are going in the right direction. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And they probably would have seen it that way from the very beginning of the year, regardless of what would have been on the game. Um, but I mean, you know, <laughs> if you told the players and Pat Ryan that they can go down to Limerick, win a match, get into the All-Ireland Series and knock Limerick out, they'd have been going, yeah, we'll take that. We'll, no problem. Like, and, and Brendan's right. I mean, I think going coming into the year with Pat Ryan taking over, the one thing that ugh, look, has been said so often down the years about Cork is that element of steel and where's, where 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 are they going to find out? How are they going to develop that? And Pat was always going to be the one. That, that was going to be number one thing to do, box ticked, like, you know. And they have done. I mean, Brian Roach has done very well. They've, they've definitely... Come forward in every game. Uh, I thought I thought the last day even was a step up. Like I mean, like we see if we and a lot of this is a kind of you know it's a lot of talk about obviously turnovers. We talk about Limerick, you know, and winning tight ball on the ground and contesting and so on and so forth. Like I did, I crunched some numbers after the tip game and it, it like tight stuff now on the ground and turnovers and stuff. Cork won about forty percent of that, so tip were still beating them on that metric. Um, but it was interesting. Chris O'Connor did some interesting stuff the other day in the Examiner. He noted that Cork scored three ten off turnovers against Clare, and Limerick conceded fifteen points in the first three quarters off turnovers against Tip. So, like, if as you say, Jackie, if Cork can bring it up another little bit and turn the screw, um, we'll see. We'll see. I was going to say we'll see what Limerick are made of. What a ridiculous thing to say, but like we know what they're made of, and we know what they're going to. We well, we expect what they're going to bring. That's the thing. We expect we, something. We expect from them. that, but we haven't seen it yet, though. It's, I think, like, I mean, the one thing that was always going to get them for me was are they going to be injuries or boredom? And, and what I mean by boredom is just the sort of the grind of having to look after yourself, uh, listen to the same old ding dong, perform, and people expecting you to do it. And now they have the added pressure that the season could be over and everybody's saying to them, Jeez, lads, your season could be over in May. Like, mm. and this was whatever they said, that was not, that's not in their thinking. So, do, do you know what, right? Jackie Tyrrell made a really interesting point, Brendan, about this Limerick team that is different to his Kilkenny team. Because, because of the nature of the round-robin series of Limerick, they're under so much pressure every single week. And he was making the argument that Kilkenny never faced that because, okay, yeah, they might have had some knockout games, but generally they were coming through Leinster at a easier pace. Whereas he was making the point that he thinks it's a lot harder for Limerick because every single time they go back, they have to be at a nine out of 10 just to win a game. And I think that's fairly valid. 
Yeah, it is. And I think it makes it more valid when somebody from Leinster, sometimes when you start these conversations, Jack, can be a case of Munster or throwing yeah. mud at Leinster. It's absolutely not the, not the case. It's a reality that the Munster Championship is absolutely cutthroat. And we saw it last year. We're seeing it this year. Like, I mean, if you're even a millimetre off the pace, like, um, then you're going to get, you're going to get, definitely going to get clipped. But if you think about it, if Limerick do win on Sunday, right, they then have to play the runners-up for the Joe McDonough final. Then they have to go and play the losers of the Leinster final. Then they have to play the winners of the Leinster final. And then they have to play whoever comes out the other side, potentially the winners of the Munster final or losers of the Munster final. So they're a long, long ways away from the famous Holy Grail again. And that's after they've had four round, round three round robin games to date, which have been absolute murder. And you do have that target on your back. And, and sometimes in dressing, I had the experience of 2010 when or 11, I suppose, in Tiberi, were very famous for a one in a row, as Jackie would be telling me when we were above in, uh, above in the studio, right? But like sitting in the dressing room the day of the All-Ireland final in 2011, we kind of had a feeling, I think, that well, we're not really at it. But you know what? Like, it's in us to do it. But the reality is, the more you think about it, the worse it gets. And I think sometimes looking at Keen Lynch, Garrod Hegarty, I'm looking at them going, they're half second guessing themselves. And inside in their heads, the sports psychologists in them, because they're real attention leaders saying, you know, trough the shackles, forget about it, doesn't matter, express yourself. And that's kind of manifesting itself in playing through people, like trying to pass the ball over somebody's head, trying to give a dummy puck, trying to be in parts of the pitch you would normally be to mix it up. And it's just scramble like. And it's a very, very hard thing to do to turn it around. There is an awareness, there's no doubt about it. They're extremely well prepared and all that. But it is a mental block nearly at this stage in the game for them. And getting over the weekend, which I think they will, might necessarily fix it because of all those fixtures they have coming ahead. There's huge hurdles. And Jackie's is absolutely right. Like it's just dead by a thousand cuts nearly coming out of the Munster Championship. Yeah. Well, look, that's what makes it so fun. Yeah. What about Waterford tip then, Mick? Because I'm getting a sense from people that they feel that there is one performance in Waterford and maybe it is this weekend. Do you have any sense that they could pull off a shock and beat Tipperary this weekend? Well, there's always a chance, but uh, I, I haven't been meeting those people. Say. <laughs> like the sense, I, I don't know. Look, there's a, there's a bit, there's obviously a lot riding on this for Tip as well. Like people kind of think that, you know, they're there, they're, most, they're not like they need, need to get a result to get to a monster final. And, you know, I'm no doubt that they'll 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 want to win the game. So if they've got their if Tip just Tip just want to continue on the form and the and the progression of the last few weeks. So I, I mean that's going to be there. They're not going to be stepping off. Um got the impression from what I think I think in, in year one for Waterford under Davy Fitz, like I got the impression from some of the players early in the season that they're taking in a lot of information. And it certainly looks to me when I when I've watched them the last couple of times, they look like a team that are taking in a lot of information. Um and they're kind of trying to figure it out. Talking to Jamie Barron early in the season, he said he saw this as a three-year project, which is something for the oldest player on the panel to say. Like three years, I mean, when you get to his age, you you you'd be looking for one-year projects, really. But um, you know, in fairness, like I mean, you 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 know, you're they're building and they're building and whatnot. Um, and there's obviously pressure on from the outside now because even the performances haven't been great, whatever, but the results. So look. They'll, they'll obviously Waterford are going to bring a lot to it. They're they're going to have to. If they don't, there'll be even more serious questions as if they can't lift themselves, given what they've been through. Even though it's a dead rubber game for them, but I would ex- I would expect to, to just go through the processes. And if they bring the same level of competition and the le- same level of performance they've had the last few weeks, I don't see a problem. What's the feeling in tip then, Brendan? Because obviously with the Liam Cowell stuff that's going on in the background as well, like Michael is right, there is a bit of pressure still there with Tipperary. This is a game that everybody expects them to win. Yeah, and that's the that's the difference in this game going into for Tipperary. In the first game against Clare was from where we were coming from last year, and I'd have money game, and everyone knew Liam Cahill was going to infuse an extra energy and a, and that level of aggression that he brings in his management style to all the teams he's been involved in. And now there is the expectation to win. The last three matches was do well. Hopefully, we'll stick in it. You never know, you know, and this kind of thing. So, and there's also I think if I'm within the Tipperary camp. I'm a little bit anxious because there's a lot of old talk and they're obviously not looking at social media and all of where's the Munster final going to be on? Oh, I wonder will we play it in Cork? Will we play yeah. it in this? Yeah. We play that? Will it be on till we go? I'm not so sure. Do you know this kind of stuff? Like, and it's it's okay for supporters to say that, but if I'm in charge of tip, my biggest fear is that it'll skip into the players. I don't believe it will. 
And that's why I think the lads will win. But I think it's the usual story. If there's nothing in Waterford to come out, and I think it'll come out on Sunday, we will see the best version of Waterford that we've seen in the last two years, I think, on, on Sunday. Um, for many reasons. One, the players would have gotten it in the neck over the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, Davy will obviously be under serious pressure because he'll want to say that, look, I am seeing progress in these players. I do deserve a go next year. Leave me alone and let me do my process like Jamie Barron is talking about. And I remember Liam Sheedy, you say to us, there's only a one-year plan here and that's the way it is. You know, if you keep losing matches and you're not showing any sign of getting any better, then it is a one-year plan for both managers and players. That is the reality of the game that we're, we're playing and everyone signs up to that. But I do think Tip will have enough to win the weekend, but I do think it might be that bit closer than, than what a lot of people outside of both camps are expecting. Hmm. And Camille, what do you make of the Liam Cowell stuff? Because look, we don't actually know what was said, so it's very hard to kind of make a judgment. There's some people saying it's harsh. There's some people saying the GAA have to clamp down here and just stop any kind of interaction with the referees at all. What's your sense of it? Well, look, in fairness, the passion that Tipperary have shown over under Liam Cowell's reign, his managing team, has been something that's been refreshing really around the place. I think at the weekend, it just means so much that you find yourself, and I know myself in the line, like I, you find yourself outside your box and somebody else's box yeah. and you're going, uh-oh, how did I get here? And then you're going, well, I can't go backwards now because, do you know what I mean? There's 40,000 in his case shouting, let's fight our corner, you know? I would hope that it was it would have seen sense that um, that it'll be it'll be put back to a one-match ban and allow him to come on in the in the Munster final. That's my hope as a Tipperary person, obviously. Uh, um, but... Look, I'm not so sure. I think Crow Park probably have decided last year they're going to draw this line in the sand. It makes it good for them to have a Liam Cahill-type figure that they can hang out to dry for all the world and say, look, well, now you can't be doing that. And he's an example to everybody else. But I just hope like, that you've seen players do things that they've gotten off with. I just hope in this case that they can say, look, Liam, behave yourself the next time. Slap on the wrist, which is maybe or maybe not deserved. The referee and his officials obviously made a decision on the day. But for him to lose out, if, 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 if Tipperary gets to Munster final, I think it would be extremely harsh on him. The flip side of that, though, Mick, is what what is punishable then? Because you can't, like, if, if you're in the GAA's corner, you can't have this happening every week either. No, I feel for him, but he's got, no, he's got to stand. Like, once you, like, I I, I take on board everything Brendan is saying. And like, there's no doubt that how Liam Cahill is on the line is transmitting to the team. And that's important. Very important, and we've seen it in all the matches. Like he's, he's like that anyway. But like I mean, it's it's certainly having an impact. But unfortunately, for better or worse, you have to be aware of your surroundings and where you are. And it's a big monster championship game. It's live on television. You cannot be. I mean, you can't do it at any level. But you certainly you have to be aware of 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 what's going on and stay stay in the moment almost like as best you can. And I, I appreciate. I've not stood in those lines and I, I'm not a great man to talk about that, but you have to be aware, like it's a four week suspension. They've changed the rule at Congress last year. It was a one game suspension, um, which I think that in itself, you know, bears a bit of consideration because four weeks, you know, there was always an argument about time based suspensions that four weeks could mean one thing to one fella and it yeah. could mean two or three games to another fella. It depends. So I'm not sure why that changed. I would imagine it's a deterrent. And this is, we're seeing in practice now, why it's a deterrent because it can really damage your season. Um, I look as you say, we don't know what was said. Maybe there is grounds for an appeal and um, and some kind of a, an escape hatch. But I'd say the GA. I would agree with Brent. I'd, I'd say the GA would be slow enough to back off of this one. Though. Yeah, I think so too. Right, let's get back to the action on the pitch then. What about the Leinster Championship, Brendan? What sort of a chance do you give this Dublin team? Because look, we know already for them, it's a sense of a chance of getting to an All-Ireland series, playing everything. But what about against Galway? Have they shown you enough in their match against Kilkenny and, and previously that they have a fight to bring to Galway this weekend? Well, if we're talking about the Kilkenny game, I'm not so sure. Uh, to be honest with you, it seemed to me that Kilkenny won the game in kind of second or third gear. They, they just played away and, and even listened to the commentary on it. They were saying there's something missing. There's a spark missing. It's an intensity. It's a fight. It seemed foregone conclusion to me is kind of what it screamed out of me watching the game. Now, change, what does that look like for Dublin? Maybe getting back to where they were a number of years ago when they played Galway, um, where there is that anger, that athleticism, the chase, all that stuff. But the quality then to hit the ball over the bar, Jack, is going to be the key in Crow Park. They are going to get pockets of space between the 265s. And if they can get Sutcliffe or whoever on the ball, who happens to hit a day where they all go over the bar, 
Um, at the moment, it's Donald Burke is the man. It seems that if you mark him, that's the end of the show for Dublin. There's no one else going to score. That seems to be the narrative that's floating around. It. Certainly, if I'm Henry, I'm saying if that Donald Burke lad's on his own, someone better get touch tight to him straight away. And that takes six points and play off a Dublin score. Others will have to step up. And I suppose the hope I give for Dublin is in the open spaces at Crow Park, if they can run at the Galway full back line and get overlaps, then there might be goal chances. But um, I'm not so sure, to be honest. I think Galway and Kilkenny are, are miles ahead of where the rest are in, in that Leinster Championship. And I think we'll probably see that gap again in, in Crow Park on Sunday. Yeah, look, I think that's been pretty obvious from the start, Mick, hasn't it? These two teams are miles ahead of everybody. And when you look at what's happening with Wexford, I think the gap is only getting wider because of that. Yes, there are other success stories, but what's happening in Westmeath and all that. But like Kilkenny and Galway running away from this is actually not good for anybody. Erno, and, and absolutely this year, certainly they're running away. I mean, even from the very get-go, I think yeah. everybody just assumed, even Kilkenny Galway nearly assumed that it will just work out that they'll be in the Leinster final. Um, like Galway, I think, have set a record, I think, for high scores and forks in consecutive championship games, regardless of who they're playing, but they've set a very high score. Dublin always, to me, I don't know, I mean, I, I almost feel like a broken record when I'm talking about Dublin hurling. It always seems like there's just that little bit of craft lacking, like great athleticism, great, great, really, you know, and again, at the risk of sounding patronising, guys who give it absolutely making everything, but just, as Brendan said, like when you're in those pockets, when you have those opportunities to turn the screw on a team, they don't, they don't have the thing to turn the screw on them. Looking at me, I don't know in a couple of games. He does look fired up again, a little, little, little bit like Liam Cal. It's like he's trying to get something out of the team, but they're not quite sure it's there. They've chosen to go to Crow Park. You know, this is their choice to play up there because this is the kind of style of play they want. They want to use the space and whatnot. But uh, again, it's it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to see. I mean, it's kind of hard to see how they're going to stop Galway scoring. To be honest, even though Galway's opposition hasn't been hectic, like, but they're they are scoring very well. But all I'd say is like on the Wexford thing and that. Like Wexford have had a really, really bad season this year, but it's kind of funny the way the Leinster Championship can go sometimes. I mean, with a little bit of rejuvenation, the thing can turn around again quite quickly. It's not, you know, we'll see if Wexford go down, that's a that's a different story. Yeah, do, do you think but, it can? Because like, well, if they end up playing Joe McDonough, that's a big league. Well, that's a big thing. That's a big league. But I'm just saying in general, if they do somehow contrive to survive from this weekend's results, um, they've had a lot of injuries and their squad is fairly threadbare. If they got a better run of the road next year, you know, that gap will close again. It's, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just not talking specifically about this year. That can just happen in Leinster, I think, sometimes. But that, that certainly this year has been, it's been a lot of slow bicycle races in Leinster this year. Yeah, yeah. Brendan, what do you make of the Wexford situation? Is it is it them going backwards at a frantic rate or is it just, as Mick says, maybe just, one bad year has compounded everything. Like, let's take into account they haven't won an underage match either at minor 20s. Like, this is not a, a problem that just started this season. No, it's not. And, and look, I, I go back a little bit, right? Like, it's sometimes the, the, the thing always is, oh, you can't go with players, you can't stand build managers and all that. I'll take you back to after the match of Limerick and uh, Tipperary the last day. Noel McGrath came in and I've never seen Noel McGrath get ticked like he wants to have a row at the end yeah. of the match on Dermot Burns. Now, I don't know what was said. It doesn't matter, actually, what was said. But he came in like an absolute lunatic now. I've never seen him like that, right? Why? Because he lost every match in the Munster Championship last year. He gave the whole winter, like all the rest of the lads, getting flogged. You're no good. You're bust. You're finished. Tipperary. You're a joke. Premier County. Blah, blah, blah. Right? That's it. He bottled all that. And all the Tipperary players all year then, you can see it oozing out through them. They're thick and they're angry. Limerick will be the same way when it challenged them. Take the flip side. Wexter players, unbelievable ability. They have all the tools they have. They are 17 points up against Westmead. 17 points like They lose by 19 points then to lose by two. So I think there's huge potential inside in Wexford. Obviously, there is. There's no doubt about that. Darry Egan must be scratching his head going, I don't know what, what, what's going on here, right? The players must be looking at each other. What's going on here? So all I'd say is a baseline when Wexford play Kilkenny below in their own backyard. There should be absolute blue murder down the pitch, right? There should be fights. There should be all that kind of stuff that's been missing, let's be honest about it, in the last number of games. That's why they find themselves in the place they're in. So when we always talk about Waterford players or Wexford players, the bottom line is, you need to be absolutely out of your mind crazy. That's the way hurling is, right? And if you're not, even by a fraction of an inch off, 
you'll be bet. And to be bet by 19 points in that period of time, like, I don't know, it just screams Joe McDonough. And it'll be sad for, for hurling in a lot of ways. It'll be good for the competitive nature of the league. Don't get me wrong. Wexford or Westmead deserve to stay up based on their performances. If Antrim beat Westmead away from home, Westmead, bear in mind, Wexford we're talking about. So therefore, they will deserve 100% to stay up. And then Wexford will deserve to go down. But from a hurling point of view, we'll be all obviously going, Jesus, we'd like to have obviously the stronger team that we call it in there. But the responsibility is on them as a management and players to get the act together and make sure this doesn't happen. And that hasn't happened this year. And the consequences are going to be fairly stark for Wexford hurling because of it. Yeah, that's the thing. I do find the debate interesting, though, Mick, that on one side, you've got people going, oh, you know, the, the traditional hurling counties, we want the likes of the Wexford at the top table. But actually, if we want to promote the game, you want the likes of the Antrims, the Westmeads, the Carlos, the Leashes, the Offaly's, what's happening there. And I know Offaly are a more traditional county, but my point is you want them raising the standard where they can come up and actually genuinely compete. And actually, I think that's a good thing for hurling as well, that maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to see uh, something like this happen because it, it becomes a, a crisis for, for Wexford. But also you've got the other teams who are really making massive strides, which like what Westmeads did should be applied. It. Yeah, like sometimes we talk and think ourselves into a rut about this stuff. Yeah. Like like Brendan said, Wexford lost by 19 points to Westmead last weekend in a period of play. If if that had happened against Kilkenny or Galway or Limerick or anyone else, you'd be going, what a, what happened there? Like, you know, so I mean, that's the number one thing. The other thing is, they had, like, you, you got, what is it, four games or whatever it is to prove yourself five games in, 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 in a round robin. And if you can't stay up, that's it, right? The problem with hurling always and ever, and it doesn't matter what you do with the structures, is the, the fact that there's such a small ecosystem of elite, in inverted commas, counties, elite counties that are there that can actually compete consistently with each other over a stretch of time. And I mean, that's just a complete dereliction of duty by the GA over about 100 and odd years not to be able to grow what apparently is the greatest field game in the world, yet we only have so... It's, it's joke-like, but... So what you have is you have this reality. People going, Jesus, if Wexford go down, the crowds are going to go down because Wexford bring a great crowd. So what? Like, you know, you get your heart, get, get it together. As Brendan says, there's great potential there. Maybe this was a one-year blip, but they'd want to come back. As, as you said, they'd want to be raging down there next weekend. They're, like, they'd want to be sparks flying. And next year, they'd want to be raging every match as well to get the hell back out again. Because, I mean, you go down. I mean, you look, look, look at Joe McDonough. There were some teams in there that underperformed this year. I'd like to see Kildare playing Wexford next year because Kildare should be raging when they come back next year. I would say Kerry would say it was a bit more on themselves than the wild than they, than they produced this year. So like, it's not going to be straightforward, you know. I mean, there's a lot riding. Like Antrim have a lot riding on the game at the weekend. West it's a, West Mead season has peaked, so I mean I would expect Antrim to go and get a result, which leaves Wexford looking, uh, looking obviously for 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 a result in their game, um, which I don't think they're going to get. So I think they're going down. Um, but look, look at their season, like record league uh, concession at home against Clare, 620 something or other. That was a record for, for concession at home in, in, in for a league game. Where they won two, they've won two matches out of nine. What are you going to do? You yeah, know? you get yeah, what you deserve, maybe, don't you? Maybe if there's, look, if it's Sunday night at half nine and I'm sitting alone in a scarty looking out the window and I'm wondering, my God, where the Joe McDonough, the only, only positive is that they should win the majority of their games. They should get to the final, which brings them back into a preliminary quarterfinal next year, which still keeps them in the hunt in the Lee McCarthy chase, having played teams that gets their confidence back up again. If you're grasping at straws for anything next Sunday night to, to try to give you a bit of hope, and I've no doubt the players are in Wexford Jacket. They just are like, it's as simple as that. Do you know what I mean? They've had this slump. You can get caught in a rut. Um, and I'd be hoping for them and I'm sure based on all I know of them like it's only 2019 that I was eating my nails above in the Davin stand because thinking they were going to beat Tipperary that is not a million miles a no. million years ago the players that are involved there the core of them are still there uh, the passion is still high in there but for whatever reason it's gone sideways um, and it's a blip I've no doubt about that they'll come back they'll come back roaring they're a proud county and they'll, they'll be fine in the long run and this kick in the backside might be something that was needed yeah. Last word then on what's coming the other way, Brennan, because look, Mick is right. The Joe McDonough has actually, like, it's a dogfight to get out of there, to even get to a final. Like, you've been involved, you know what this competition is like. 
I think for the likes of what Offaly are doing, for what Carla are doing, they deserve their day. And actually for whichever one of them uh, wins this final, it's going to be a great day for them. I think the Offaly story has really taken so many people uh, this year. It's just been lovely to see what they've done at underage, but with this team as well. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I think when, when Michael of, of our parish will say came involved, um, he knows what's needed. He knows what players need. Shane Lowry obviously has come in as well as a supporter. He won't support something that he thinks isn't being managed properly. And the fruits of that are they have a great generation of hurlers. Not only will say they're, I know their minors are beaten the other night, but either way, but they're, they're under 20s are a, are a joy to watch. The screen of young players is, is unbelievable. So, you know, they they really are on the on the up. Now they need to get, they need to beat Carlo. They need to get into the next, into that next level. And we talk about that competition, look at Kildare. I mean, like Kildare were got to a league final and then struggle to win any game and are obviously now down to Christy Ring status, you know. So it's competitive and that's what I like about our hurling structure. Um, everything is competitive. You're not at the pitch of it, you go down and that's the way it is. Leash the same way, you know, they, they couldn't get a couple of games over the line and you'd have expected Leash to be in this final rather than Carlo if you spoke two months ago. Mm. Not the way it is. So no, it's great. And Offaly hurling is definitely on a high. They need to push through now and win this, uh, win this Joe McDonough final. And then... Do a little bit like what Antrim and Westmeath have done. Get a foothold. Don't slip back down the mountain. And that's going to be the next challenge for them. But obviously getting over the John McDonough final is the first step. They've been if fantastic. On, if only you could get the same publicity that the Talton Cup has got this year, Mick, we'd be absolutely fine if everybody was chatting about it because this has been a great competition. We need a football analyst to come out roaring yeah. and shouting about, about what a waste of time it is. I think, I, think, I think that's what we need there. It's been, look... The one thing that's always that, that is working in hurling is the tiered system, and it always yeah. has. And the people talk about you know the attention. I, I mean, I think there's, I really think there's just too much attention given to media attention or lack of. Like if you know, if you're driven by the amount of media attention you're getting, well then drive yourself on to get to the top tier. You'll get loads of it to the point that you won't want any. And you'll put media bands in place, you know. So I mean, it's sort of <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like so, I mean, I never get too up, high up or low down about like. How much? How much coverage is, going, is the John McDonough final going to get? It's going to be live on TV at the weekend if you want to watch it. Like so, you know, don't be don't be getting too excited about it. But like, I think like Offaly have been very steady and good in their work this year in the Joe McDonough. Okay, they kind of they've sent out a weekend team in the last game against against Carlo. Job done. And had the and had the added bonus of effectively knocking Leash out because uh, because Carlo won handy and and went into the final. So I'm sure I'm sure that wasn't lost an awful either in, in, in it. But Jackie, it was interesting you said earlier on, just when you were mentioning traditional counties we were talking about earlier, and you mentioned Offaly as a traditional county. Like it's funny, that tells you something about tradition in itself. Because like yeah. what's tradition? Like exactly. our cock are tradition. Why are they tradition? All hundred years of this, that, and the other, Tom Simple, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Like Offaly were Kildare in the 1970s. Like they won a Leinster, like 69, they got to a Leinster final, and then nothing. And then they started building it from there. And it took that long to win in All-Ireland in a totally different era. But my point is that things start somewhere. And that's like tradition can mean a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a, a long-standing thing. I mean, so I mean, often and Brendan remember this from when, when, when Brendan was hurling in, in the early 90s with tip. I mean, all the talk what Offaly was, they're doing nothing at underage. And it's this they're going to fall off a cliff when the great team of the Wheelahins is gone. And that's what happened. And it's taken mm. this long to get back. And they're still not back. As, as, as we said, they have to get a foothold now in Leinster and hold, you know. But I think they will. I, I think if they get up there and the, the people of Offaly will really get behind it and they've got all, they've all the structures in place, all good players in place, good things happening. Um, and they've got very good people running it. They really do. Um, I think, I think it's, it's great to see. It's crazy. For, for, for those of us of a certain age with a soft spot for Offaly, it's great to see. Yeah. That is because Offaly kind of represent the personalities back in the day with Pizzi, exactly. and Ruiz and uh, all. Yeah. If they can do it, I can bloody do it. You know, oh, like, but that's it. But that was it. Feels, like, the structures they have in place there, the training set up, the facilities they have for players, it's like walking into Carrington for all the world of Manchester United. If you're a 15-year-old going into the development squad now with Offaly and you walk into that setup, you're going, hey now, they're serious about this thing. I'm going to watch my diet. I'm going to do my gym program. And these little things in, in younger players' heads start to go, I want to be part of this. This is 
They're always talking to Jay about my identity, you know, this kind of stuff. Like that does give an identity, you know, and, and fair play to them. They've, you know, they've they've been a good example. Now they've a good crop of players. Don't get me wrong there. You can get a generational thing as well, and there's a buzz on that. But you have to harness it, and they're certainly doing that. Yeah, they are. Well, look, they've got another uh, step to take this weekend, lads. We'll have to leave it there. Brendan, thanks a million for being with us. Oh, well, thanks a million. All right, let's chat football then. And Enda McGinley has joined us. And look, you're heading for Derry Monaghan at the weekend. And look, I guess in a lot of ways, this is kind of the pick of a lot of the ties. This mini Ulster championship is going to be a bit of crack, isn't it? Well, crack, crack, crack might be generous. Uh, <laughs> we, we prefer the word intriguing up here. Uh, it, it, get, it gets rolled out an awful lot and, get, and covers a whole manner of sins. Uh, but no, really, really interesting. Lots of sort of storylines coming into it. So from an outsider going to the game as, as, as a neutral, there's lots to interest me. Uh, how have Derry... Obviously, they, they they had the boost of winning that Ulster title. Such a sort of fantastic game and dramatic ending and everything that surrounded that game coming into it. But now they've dealt with moving on with reality. So it's coming down from that Ulster title win, coming into a game that absolutely should win. They beat Monaghan convincingly last day out in Healy Park. So this should be done and dusted in Celtic Park. Can they get up for it in the same level? Can they cope with the managerial chains that they're going to have? Like That's going to be a very different environment that, that they've been operating in. Plenty of leading players there to, to, to take on the leadership role. But until you start seeing it, you don't really know how everything's sort of going to be coming together. So it's a tough one for them both to get up for and also just to deal with everything else that's been going on. For Monaghan, they would have been massively disappointed with how they played in Healy Park. Like They, they didn't lay a glove on Derry. Derry dictated the complete terms in the game. You had Conor McManus and Jack McCarron spent more time trying to defend uh, completely out of their comfort zone. Derry targeted their runners and their, the older legs. Uh, you can't suddenly unwind the miles off the clock. So what way Vinnie Corey approaches this game? How can he try to put the pressure on Derry? We've we seen what Armagh done and I thought it was highly effective, but it's a massive high-energy game. Do Monaghan have that? because I think that's what they're going to need to bring in, in Celtic Park. I think that's the biggest question, Mick, of this Monaghan team. Do they have the athleticism to play that kind of game that can beat Derry? If that's what they want to do. Like, they've tried it a few times now against Derry, and nothing has really worked out. Like, mm. this year, as as Enda mentioned there, they went full court press getting back, and, like, I think I counted in the first half. I think, I think Derry scored 1-2 or 1-3 off of scores where they just ran at Conor McManus or someone else. No, I know Conor McManus started his career as a wing back, but that's a long time ago. And, you know, like, they tried that, but then the year before, they kept McManus up with someone, and that didn't work either. So it kind of eventually comes back to, well, are we, like, do they just have the players? Now, I, I actually think that this is a really tricky game for Derry, because, like, it's not just an Ulster thing, it's a football thing, you know? I mean, you don't like playing a crowd that you beat handy too soon after you just did, right? And I remember I, I remember one year, it's a long time ago now, it's not really relevant, I suppose, but I do remember Derry and Monaghan playing an absolute war. It might have been 09 or something, 2010 or something like that. An absolute war. And they played a qualifier, I think, afterwards, and it was a complete champagne football affair. Everybody expected it was going to be another war, but it ended up being completely not the game anyone expected. And with all the, with all the conditions coming into this, there's a small chance that, I'm not saying it's going to be a classic, but that it could be totally not a game anyone expects. Because you do have, I mean, the one thing that Derry would always bring to any team they've played up to now is real forensic ability to figure out what they're going to do before the other team even know what they're going to do. Can Will they be able to second-guess Monaghan as effectively this time around? Don't know. Don't know. Yeah. And will they will they stick to what works for them? They absolutely will. But I just think sometimes, I mean, coming into the Ulster final, with all the pressure that was on that game as an Ulster final going for two in a row, but also obviously the pressure with the managerial situation and all the rest of it. The players may have been running to some degree on adrenaline or on, or on a kind of an autopilot, but now they've had a couple of weeks to come down, think about it. Again, I always say it's not the media, it's, it's not it's social media, whatever. It's not the print media, it's not the broadcast media. It's the general chat mm. that guys have to deal with. And they've been listening to that for two weeks and lads asking them opinions about all sorts of stuff that they probably never expected to be asked about in the middle of the summer. So now they have to bring an energy to this game 
to see how they're going to be. So I, I've a, I just look, I could be totally wrong. Derry could come out and run all over him, but I have a feeling this could be a very, very awkward game for Derry. Yeah, I I do think just generally the emotions of an Ulster final, I think for Derry and for Armagh as well, actually, end of this weekend, it's just the difficulty of coming back down and resetting for another completely different competition, going from, you know, like a high-intensity Ulster Championship in Clonus where everybody's all, you know, all over it, there's massive colour, and then you come out and you're back in a completely new round-robin situation where you're trying to calculate how many points do I need. Like, it's a completely different emotional train that they're jumping on again. And it's, and it's not just Ulster Championship. They, they were going hard at the Mechanic Cup stage. True. And then during the National yeah. League, they were right at the tip. Like I, my views on that Celtic Park game against Dublin was Dublin had at least two more gears. You just know as big players haven't come through big games, there's only certain things that has you that wee bit of nervous anxiety all week coming into it. And no matter what, Dublin players were not in that place for that match again there in Celtic Park. There they were. You could sense the supporters. You could sense everyone. So the, and they pushed on, got promotion. They just showed no let up at all. So they've been at that ceiling the whole time, which has been remarkable. Like their their consistency has been phenomenal. And then through the the Ulster Championship, they wanted to do that back to back. You could sense that coming out from them. But you're absolutely right. This is now restart again three games here to get out of the group and they will get out of the group so it, it's it's do they dip and we all know like we even seen it with Kerry last week these top teams whenever they're at 100% they can be phenomenal whenever they're at 95 or 90 it's a completely different thing we haven't seen Derry Derry have been so consistent we haven't seen Derry at 95 or at 90 and I struggle to see how they'll get up to 100 if they do fair play to them that's amazing but I, I, I agree uh, I think this is the game that that they've just made just be as sharp as as what they have been. Yeah, and that's the and that's the other thing actually in this system, right? Mm. For the for the, we'll say for this top seed team like Derry, the first game isn't the important game; it's the next match. Exactly. So for, so for the likes of we'll say Cork Loud going out this weekend, for example, this is the biggest game of their year in terms of going forward. It's not the biggest game for Derry. That there is a dynamic there, um, as Enda says, the three they will get through. So I mean, whatever happens on Sunday on on on, on the weekend. You know, let's let's not get too high up or low down about it. Let's just take it as it is, and we move on. And we, you know, the old our old friend process. You know, yeah. but it it it's the next game, really. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure who they're playing next, but it will be the next game. Will be the one. It, is it though? Like I was listening to Eamon Fitzmaurice making the point though, make about the waiting of winning it. Because like, like I'd probably be like you. I'd be a bit like Asher. Look, they're all getting out. Who cares? Three teams to come out. Nobody really cares. But actually. Eamon was kind of making the point that you do want to win it because, first of all, you want to win, you want to go the direct route or whatever, but also there's an extra week's rest built in there. Like, there is other benefits to this that maybe we're not accounting for enough when you're an inter-county manager thinking about these things. Sure, no, absolutely. Yeah, no question about it. I would just say from a dairy perspective, like, say, if you're, ta- I, I, if you're talking from a carry point of view, for example, yes, that, that's important because the shorter route to all Ireland when you're defending it is the way to go. Yeah. Um, but if you're dairy, it, maybe it's slightly different. Like the hunger, I would say the hunger should be should be different for dairy. Um, like the drive, if if they do get into, I think if you finish, obviously if you finish first, you go straight into the quarterfinals. You you dodge an extra game. If dairy have an extra game, okay, it could be it could be a trappy one. But these are the games they kind of need at this stage of their development. Now I'm not saying, like none of this is running around their heads. They're just going to be going to go to win the game. Again, this is this is people on the outside possibly overthinking these things. But you know they'll. They'll go out and they'll obviously want to try and they'll expect to win against Monaghan. I expect them to win, like, don't get me wrong, I do expect them to win. I'd be a bit like Ender, like, I don't necessarily think they're going to be brilliant doing it, but, um, but yeah, no, it's useful. It is, obviously, it's useful to win I, the I, game I, and get your get your last eight. But it's, I, like, it's not the end of the world if you don't want to. Solve. I, I think that this season we're all going to have to just accept that we're going to look stupid multiple times and then we'll all, try there, look, we'll, we'll all try to look really wise after the event <laughs> and we'll all know, well, this is exactly how you need to approach this new season and we'll all base it on an N plus one. But for me, the, the, the winners, looking at what happened with Mayo, whenever they had three big games in a row, end of the National League, then into the league final, then into Roscommon, where Roscommon were sitting, while Mayo were playing the National League final, Roscommon were sitting in Abbottstown having their preparation weekend. And we've seen what happened in the championship that week after. I think having that gap week for these big teams is massive. And then the home advantage for, for 
place two versus place three, the home advantage is massive. Like for me, just broadly speaking, I'd imagine you'll only see one upset with an away win out of those four preliminary quarterfinals. I think the home wins will count massively there. And then come the quarterfinal stage, I think you'll see only maybe one of the preliminary teams maybe coming through. I think the teams that have had that gap week and finished top in the group, I think they'll be in pole position. So in terms of overall odds of who's going to, like within, everybody's given out about the elongation. We're only losing four teams after whatever, 24, 26 games, whatever it is. I think that's rubbish. It is no material lengthening of the season because you're always going to have a gap week between the round robin stage and the quarterfinals. But in three weekends, three consecutive weekends, you drop four teams, four teams, four teams. You go from 16 to your four semi-finalists in a gap of 13 days. Yeah. Or sorry, 15 days. You know, so it has no material difference and it's massive. But for me, the position in this group stage will be key in terms of them four semi-finalists. I think three of them will be group toppers. Yeah. Like, I mean, what Enda has outlined there now is exactly what the GA are trying to get across to people, that there's something on every game. That yeah. yes, four teams are gone, but every single match you watch till the last second of the last day of this group stage, there will be something tangible for everybody to play for. And that I don't think that's gotten across to people at all. And it, and it has no material lengthening of the season. It's not an absolute bug. It's an absolute bugger for us trying to cover everything and we'll get slated as pundits for not going with a 20-minute in-depth of some game. <laughs> but okay. in terms of for the players, they're playing more games. Well, they're happy enough about that. In terms of supporters, if you don't want to go out to it, well, then fair enough. But in terms of actual lengthening of the season, it has no impact. And you get down to four teams in very quick succession whenever all the sort of the fluffing about happens. So I, I think wait, wait till it see it happens. But I do believe your group position will be worth fighting for. And, yeah. just one, and just one last thing on it, like I, I had a comment just about the kind of, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, reverse engineering what a good season is when it's all over, you know. I mean, I was chatting, I was chatting <laughs> to Davy Burke at the very beginning of the year before they played Mayo, and he made the not unreasonable point. He was just kind of speculating. He said, well, what happens? He said, like, we finished third in Division One, was common. What happens if we finished third? Uh, let's say we beat Mayo and let's say we win a Connacht title just for argument's sake, he said, but we finished bottom of our group. Because we've just run out of steam. We just ran out of juice in the All Ireland series to lose the matches and, and we finished bottom. Is that a good season or a bad season? Like, do we want to connect and to finish third? Or do we want to hold back and go? No one knows what a good season or a bad season is. And like it's it's fascinating. Like for year one, it's fascinating. It's gonna get it's probably get less fascinating, like everything as years go on, because teams will work out what dynamic works best. But um, you know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what it, we should but, know but what's take, going to happen. Take, in the best of pull through that thought, then, though, right, Mick? Right, if you are Davy Burke and you're in a Roscommon team where you had a run at a Connacht final, okay, it didn't go your way, but you know, you, you gave it a good rattle in your province. You had a good, a decent league showing. You're in a group that, like, really, let's call a spade a spade. Dublin are the only team you would say are better than them if you want to call it yeah. that and albeit they're playing in a different division at the moment I think he's got to be looking at that and saying we can either win the group or finish second come out get a good seeding like what Enda has outlined and then after that they're playing knockout football I think that's a great season for him oh yeah like specifically just from a Roscommon point of view they got a great draw yeah I mean the thing is they get the dubs first up as well so the one thing I guess that you want to dodge is just getting an awful tanking yeah. Um, so you don't affect the morale and the general feeling around Roscommon. But even at that, they'll look at the other games and go, okay, scratch that, move on, next business. And again, I mean, for teams, not necessarily Roscommon, Roscommon are a higher level list, but for a, for a bunch of teams, it's like one win. Get one win and we're in. But I mean, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, they'll, they'll at least finish second in that group, um, you would imagine, on form and on all known, on all known metrics, they should finish second. And who knows? Like it's a one-off against Dublin, and he's he's a smart dude, and he's he's put a good squad together. Not just a fifteen; he's put a good squad together there. And era, you see, like I'd argue, Enda, in a one-off game against Dublin, it's a shot to nothing anyway because they're going through out of that group. I think they have a great chance. You know, even if they don't win, as Mick says, if they don't get a tank in and they go and they play good football, they're getting out of that group anyway. I think it's a great opportunity for him and his team. Probably the biggest thing there is, the biggest unknown there is Dublin, which yeah. Dubliners going to turn up. Dublin yeah. can be imperious in either spells or in games. That has been pretty rare over the past two years. That has been 
rare. Uh, so an absolutely Roscommon or a game, we've we seen their performance again, uh, Mayo. It was phenomenal. And Burke can really target a game. And you just, all, he, he loves the big games. Like you, you can see he loves the big teams coming, started the National League. You could see how much they were getting for it. So they've had a wee bit of time to prepare for this one. Uh, and I think they'll they'll be going gunning. It's in Croke Park, which is going to be difficult for them. But I, I just would have a belief that Davy Burke will will have them boys uh, well set up for this game and will make it very very sticky for Dublin. And unless Dublin are in the mood, which has been hit or miss, uh, then then it absolutely could be a risk common win. But yes, both teams will still will still march through the group. You would imagine. Mm, listen, Dublin don't need to peak anytime soon, given the draw that they have. So let's just sit tight on them for a while. What about a game that does have huge meaning then, Mick? Because I think Cork Louth, you're right. There are some games that mean more. And this is like a knockout game between the two of these. You'd, I, I guess for a lot of people, it's just the jury is out on Cork and the progress that they've made. What about Mickey, How- Mickey Hart and his Louth team? Because the one thing we know about them is they're very organised and they're targeting this game too. Yeah, I was a bit afraid for Loud coming into the Leinster final, to be honest, because, I mean, again, you don't want to kind of burden teams with history, but, I mean, I can think of umpteen occasions when Loud went into matches against Dublin with it actually with a bit of hype behind them and just got absolutely mullered, like, absolutely mullered. And, look, again, as Enda says, if Dublin take on a mood, particularly against a team, a Division Two team or, anything, or anyone around that level, it can get nasty. Like, But, look, He's got his system in place. We know what Lowell are going to do. Lowell know what they're going to do. Cork know what Lowell are going to do. Um, but Lowell will have no idea what Cork are going to do because Cork don't have any idea what Cork are going to do. Um, <laughs> the one thing, the, the one thing that I think from a lot of from a Cork football perspective has to be said. Number one, I mean, I'm living down in Cork, and they're like, I mean, there's not peep but anything. I mean, ask you might kind of catch that. How the football is going? <laughs> not a clue. Um, it's just ha- it's like it's not happening. It's like the old if a tree falls in the wood and no one's there to hear it, did it actually fall? Like uh, you know, if no, if who's going from Cork up to Navin to actually tell us the match occurred? You know, um, so it's, it's desperate it's, in, a, in a county where it's obviously so important to its people that both sports are promoted heavily that the the football is lagging behind oh. in Cork. And we'll, like we'll, that for a while, though. That, we'll have we'll we'll have another. We could talk about Tyrone Hurling too in that regard. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, <laughs> that's another. That's another. But I'm not. I'm not. No, I don't mean that. I'm not pointing for him. Podcast to Tyrone. Cork, Cork's business is their own business. But like, look, I think the most frustrating from a Cork perspective was they probably came out of the league. It was to be fair when you look at the results, it was quite erratic. They kind of went well, didn't go so good. Went very well against Dublin, didn't get a result. Um, screwed up badly against Mead first day out lost to Lowe's, which I think was a big kick for them. So they went into Clare expecting to win. The problem sometimes with Cork is when they get into a situation where a team has them sussed or has figured them out, they find it very hard to think their way out of a tight spot. So against Clare, for example, just kept doing the same thing over and over again. And it clearly wasn't working for them going down the middle, staying narrow. They just didn't really think their way out of a game that they should have won. And Clare were far, far the better team and should have won it by much more of a comfortable margin. So Cork are coming into this, who knows? I mean, people are expecting them to beat Loud. Um, going up to Navin probably takes a bit of an edge off it. It's not exactly a fortress going up there to play Loud. So, you know, they could have played that anywhere, really. Um, so that's not going to be much of an... Uh, the only thing is, I, I can't imagine there will be a big travelling crowd. It's been so long since Cork played, it's kind of an ongoing quantity. At the back of their minds, though, they can say to themselves, well, if we can win, if we can beat Loud, and we'll see what impact the beating against Dublin has taken... And I'm sure can speak. Obviously, can speak much more to how Mickey will have been in the last couple of weeks now. But like, if 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 they can get a win against Loud, they are then looking at a home game on a Saturday afternoon against Kerry, where a little bit like not so much like the hurlers against Limerick this weekend, but they can certainly put an enormous spoke in the wheels of Kerry if they can get some kind of result against them in a couple of weeks. So there's a, you know, there is there's a certain amount of there's a lot of incentives here for Cork, but again, maybe it's a be interesting to see how loud it will be. Like, how would how would how would Mickey have handled the last couple of weeks? Well, what would he have been like, Enda? How, how does he respond to something like that? Because he probably wouldn't have faced something like that too often with G now. No, no, thank, thankfully he didn't. But we we still lost to opponents that we shouldn't have been losing to. Uh, so for a good team to lose, uh, then 
uh, for Louth to lose heavily to Dublin, you're, you're probably talking the same. He, he would be straight up about it, be honest. We weren't good enough on the day. He would point out that we they failed to hit their standards. Uh, but he would also be able to very quickly put it to one side and say, we're, we're not as good as what we've been made out to be on some occasions and we're not as bad as that. Back to the drawing board. Let's crack on. What's interesting for me, I remember they, they drew Cork last year. So they got promoted from three and then they drew Cork in one of the, was it the qualifying game, whatever yeah. way it was working last year. And I remember his comments going into that match. It was quite surprising, but he was saying, look, it's a very tough draw we've been handed, uh, but we'll go down and we'll, we'll, we have to see, can we live up to this level and now can we get up to it? But very much they went down there hoping to just be able to match up a wee bit to Cork. And I think fast forward a year and it shows how much Louth have changed. They, they beat them in the league and they will absolutely be targeting this game as a very winnable game. They'll be going in as an equal in their mind to Cork. Uh, so within one year, that shows how much even that has changed from where they were last year. Uh, but I agree, it's a tough result to get over uh, for them against Dublin. And then it's a very tough group to be in. Uh, with Mayo and Kerry as well so th- so their chances of progress they know come down as we've been saying to this Cork game I think Brian Hurley's availability for Cork is massive mm-hmm. he does change them as a team uh, but it, I've, I've always felt that Cork they, they seem to have struggled to adjust to not always just getting to play football exactly how they, they seem a very free-spirited team that they want to just go out mm-hmm. and, and play football quite a natural way I think Time and time again, we've seen that teams have had to adapt. All of the teams, even the great purists like Galway, like Kerr, everybody's adapted and learned how to play this other game. Cork still want to play that long ball game, direct down through the middle, target their best men inside, and away they go. Uh, they have to be able to play it another way because Loud will absolutely ask them questions of them. In fairness, actually, I, I must I must just slightly adjust what I said earlier that you know, Cork know what Loud are going to bring. They do know that because they've played them before and recently that's not to say that Loud haven't evolved because they have I mean as I said they came down to Cork last year and they basically put 15 they defended so deeply they were practically in the Jack Lynch tunnel that's right I remember or for, for the first half <clears> and they were playing <throat> that end My, like you were, and you were looking at it going if you just moved up a small bit you'd probably beat them but that that le- they hadn't reached that level yet um, the other thing that's always intrigued me about Mickey Ashley and this is going back to another era altogether he's always had a little kind of thing about Cork because I think as a manager, he likes, like all managers, he likes the controllables and he likes something that he can analyse and see trends and see things. But with Cork, even the good Cork teams that won All-Irelands back in Enda's time in the in, in 2010 and around that time, they were still a bit hard to get a handle on. And obviously, 09 is a big one when Cork beat Tyrone that time. But, but even before that, Cork would pick Tyrone off in league matches where they wouldn't have expected to do it. So I'd say at the back of his mind, he has a caution when he plays Cork, but I would hope from a loud perspective, and I'm sure like if they go after Cork, and I'm sure they will, because that's how they they they're they're attacking quite well this year compared to last year. They go after Cork, and if they can get him, if they can get him turned, um, I, I mean a loud victory would not be a surprise at all. Mm, yeah, I guess the one other thing about the game being in Navanenda is. <laughs> I don't know, and I totally get the neutral side of it and all is great, but dragging these two teams to Navin just feels like such a random spot for this game to be on. You'd have loved for this to have been inside in like a, a county ground where it's, one of the teams is at home. You'd have an enormous atmosphere. I have no idea what kind of a crowd is going to be in Navin uh, at the weekend, but it just it seems an odd one to me. Yeah, yeah, I think small will be the, the crowd yeah. that will be in Navin at the weekend. I think Loud will come out in decent numbers, but again, they'll the the pop of the bubble that that Dublin defeat will have hit them will have taken yeah. a wee bit of that enthusiasm away and the knowledge of the rest of this group and everything else. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the positioning of this game won't add to the spectacle, but I think for for those looking at where teams are, are these are two teams in a pretty interesting position. This is a big, big tie, massive in the group. Uh, so there'll be plenty there for everybody else to sort of, everybody, everybody involved, I mean, in all of us and, and loads of people that are keeping a close eye on things, this will be definitely one of the results that you'll absolutely be looking out for this weekend. You mightn't yeah. have your eyes on the game, but you'll be absolutely looking out for this game. Uh, but in terms of the actual people walking through the gates, yep, mightn't be too many. 
Yeah. Look, last word on it then, Mick. I guess this is the sense where we're going to get a real uh, idea of what this competition is like, because it is games like that one. Where there's a lot on the line. Yeah, there's going to be a bit of shadow boxing in some of the other ones. But I think things are going to really start taking shape after this weekend. You know, it's going to really ramp up towards the All-Ireland series from kind of next week on. Yeah, no, I like the system. You know, I, I no, like we discussed earlier, I've, I've no problem with with three teams going through. And yes, that's just the nature of the beast. And as Enda said, it hasn't, it's not affecting schedules. It's not pushing the clubs back, etc. All that carry on. And you will, again, as you say, we get a sense this weekend now with Cork Lowe's. It's about what this competition is like. Again, it's just a pity, as you said, it's not It's not going to get huge coverage. I don't think it's on television anywhere at yeah. all. I don't think even GA are carrying it. Um, and the crowd will be small and all the rest of it. Um, but it will give you a sense of what it's like. And it'll be, as it evolves, I mean, Donegal Clare was a bit like that last week as well. That was a big game for both of them. And you got a sense of it as well, like the disappointment in Clare. When they didn't get the result and Donegal obviously then the flip side after their difficult few, couple of months you know they've got a new lease of life so all that stuff will evolve um, I, I always find the, the GA support the GA consumers it's, it's they're a hard crowd to crack like when you're trying to kind of just explain give this a chance yeah. I always describe I always describe the GA crowd as the crowd they won't go to this match but they'll go to the next one if this one is any good and that and that that kind of applies to structures as well we'll and I have to see how this pans out. But this one, as you said, this has a kind of a mix because there are some matches that are big this weekend and there are other matches that are kind of like stepping stones to other games in another couple of weeks, which is good for the competition overall. And as we get used to how it works, I think it'll all, it'll all be fine. It'll be all be yeah. fine. It'll all be fine, Andy, yeah. won't it? It's, I think that's the sense we're getting. It'll all be grand. Yeah, if, if we're pessimistic as a GAA crowd, Christ, on the football side, we oh. are brutal. <laughs> It's just self-loathing on, on a yeah, level. Ended, I, I don't know. I couldn't believe it. Jay. We, I was at the Ulster final, obviously doing cool calm at it, and it was phenomenal. Like my, I'd brought my wee man along with me, and he loved sort of doing the wee stats, and he was standing up there, but and he was just blew away by the occasion. We we're walking out afterwards, and he was just, you know, obviously not connected with the team, but just blew away by the entire occasion, the tension, and everyone else from it. And then Lee and Paul. Ah, it wasn't great game, poor call name. I was like, what? And on the God are we waiting on? And but every every good game of football that comes along, the comment is, oh, the football championship needed this. We've had a host of clinking games around. Now, yes, they're bathed within lots of games because that's the football championship. You have 10, 15 games. But we've had, right from the get-go, Mayo and Roscommon. We've had Clare v. Cork was a great game. With Awfully Westmead was a crack. We've had great Monaghan Tyrone, great yet every good game in Tyrone. What's her comment? Ah, well, the football championship needed a good game because we haven't <laughs> had one. There's a reason for that. There is a reason for that. Like, I mean, and this is coming just from the professional point of view. The GAA fan, media, consumer, whatever you want to call them, <clears throat> excuse me, they tend to only focus on their own team. They really do. And lads, I know there's lads going to be up in their high legs talking about where we watch all the matches. There is, of course, a cohort to do that. But generally speaking, your rugby fan watches and much, they watch all the teams and they consume everything. Whereas the GA fan tends to really narrow down to their own team. And they only see the other teams if their team are playing them. So if the football championship isn't great, you know, if they've gone to a couple of dodgy games, then the whole thing is just... But there is, look, there's there's this underlying self-loathing about football that's been there for time immemorial, lads. I could, I could pick out newspaper articles from 50 years ago that that are having the same soul searching conversations that we have now about not, not structures, yes, structures and the quality of the football and hand passing and yeah, you name it. And it doesn't change. I, it does not yeah, change. I get nailed at times because you do try to be. I do try to be be positive because I think there's there is plenty there to be positive about. But don't get me. That's not me saying that I like defensive football. That I like these lateral phases of play. I hit it. I can't stand it. But equally, like say those find finals, absorbing and intriguing. Oh, yeah. intriguing, <laughs> intriguing. That is, if we ban intriguing from the pundit vocabulary at the minute, we're goosed. We're all gone. Uh, but the Ulster final was a slow burn. It was a, it was a struggle in the first half, and that's what people are. Oh, well, like this game wasn't good. But you don't go to an action movie and expect it to be absolute bang and bust from minute one the whole way through. It doesn't. The story gets going. It bubbles up with a few incidents, and then it reaches a crescendo. That's what football matches tend to be. You could start football matches literally in the last 15 minutes now and you tend to get all the best stuff. 
the first 50 minutes sometimes can be, but there'll be incidents in there that are intri- intriguing. Uh, there's a build-up to it over time. You start to see wee patterns. You start to wee holes in that there. So there's lots to look at, I think. Plenty to enjoy. And we'll get it again this weekend. Like, the football think, championship needs a big game. Hopefully, we'll get it this weekend. <laughs> we'll get it at Cork and Lowe. And no one will see it. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, I think what you're saying then there really is that the football championship needs more John Wick. That's it. It needs just constant from the beginning. But if you get That's that, it. the body count will be way too high. Way too high. No way too high. Do you know what the funniest thing about the Ulster Championship final as well was, by the way, I was, when I was watching that with Lee and Paul, what they said about it off air, they said it was awful. And then when they said on air, this actually wasn't a great game, then they felt bad because they were obviously getting hammered by people going, what we is watching, blah, 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 whatever. But now you're proving their point there, Enda, so they can sleep easy. It wasn't a classic <laughs> yeah. until the last 15 minutes. There you go. Point proven. Uh, lads, look, we'll leave it there. Thoroughly enjoyed the chat. Uh, enjoy the matches wherever you're going. Enda, thanks a million for being with us. And Mick, good to have a fork voice with Rory stepping out. We'll have you on again soon. Thanks a million to everybody for listening and uh, enjoy the matches. There's the whistle, it's over. It's over.